When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. We've got Buster. Oh, I'm really excited to get Buster on. I haven't had Buster on the show in quite a while. Um, Buster and I go back. We've got uh, ties back there in, in, in Baltimore, Maryland, where, where Buster started. And, of course, both of us now end up at ESPN. Um, our, our paths did not cross at the same time in regards to when I was at uh, in Baltimore. He was already with ESPN, but nonetheless, Baltimore has a very special place in both our hearts. So I'm excited to have Buster on the, on the program. We'll do a deep dive into the Yankees um, as well as the Mets. Look forward to the second half of the season. What are his expectations? Not sure if you listened to the show yesterday, but it was really interesting. Uh, we talked about fan graphs um, they have an assessment of uh, the best chances to win the World Series. And get this, the Dodgers, 15.4%, the Braves, 15.2%, the Astros, 14.5%, the Mets, 12.8%, and the Yankees at 12.3%. So got into an interesting discussion with uh, Jake and Ty, who were producing the show yesterday. How the hell are the Yankees the, have the fifth best odds um, to win the World Series and the Dodgers, and the, let alone the Braves, uh, the Astros and the Mets above them. Well, uh, this is something that Buster only tweeted out on Thursday. So definitely that will be a part of our conversation, uh, no doubt. Uh, but let's talk about the Yankees. Unfortunately, they lose to the Red Sox yesterday, 6-5. Um, Clay Holmes, uh, unfortunately, could not get the deal done, uh, which is not, you know, not, not what we're used to seeing from him, right? Um, I mean, he's got 16 saves on the season so far. His ERA is, is below one. It's been pretty ridiculous, but at least, you know, Rizzo was able to play. He was back in action. Uh, Judge, obviously, Hicks with a home run. Unfortunately, Donaldson had that error. Montgomery gave up six hits, two runs in five-plus innings. It was a competitive game. Went into the 10th inning. Unfortunately, uh, the Yankees do lose 6-5, so uh, they're still up 2-1 in the series. The Red Sox tonight, this is going to be the ESPN 7 p.m. Uh, premiere prime time game uh so the red sox have an opportunity to uh split the series what more can they ask for you've got tyone who's uh who's pitching tonight as we know he's nine and two with a three six three era uh, did not have his last outing was not fantastic far from it went up against his former team the pittsburgh pirates and uh and, and just did not do well so uh we'll see if he can kind of get back into better form it's very interesting this is a this is a yankees rotation they've got the the second best rotation in all of major league baseball combined they've got a 314 era but tyone happens to be out of the five uh the weakest of the five believe it or not and a lot of it listen listen a, a number of these guys outside of cole really has have been inconsistent outside of cole and severino right like even we're seeing Nasty Nestor. We're seeing Cortez be somewhat inconsistent. Tyone being somewhat inconsistent. 
Uh, they're supposed to get Herman back soon. On top of that, another thing I want to talk to Buster only about is as we get closer to the trade deadline, which is August 2nd, um, I, you know, who are like, you know, there's, there's rumors out there, talk, speculation. Who are the, who are the guys that Cashman, he's expecting Cashman, he's hearing Cashman, the Yankees go after. We'll dive into that conversation as well. They're going to need some help. I think if they're going to win a World Series, they're going to need some help uh, with that rotation. Um as well as uh, what's going on in, in the outfield with, with Gallo and, um, and, and a few other guys. So we'll find out what's happening there. Again, later on tonight, 7 o'clock, 7.10, I think, is the first pitch. Um, Pivita it will be on the, uh, the bump for, of course, the Red Sox. He's 8-6 and six with a 3.68 ERA. The good thing about him going for the, the, the Red Sox is he goes deep into games. And therefore, when he pitches, it's not like the Red Sox have to dive into their bullpen, which is one of the worst in Major League Baseball. Also, uh, Devers is not going to be playing today, so he's not going to be a part of that that lineup later on tonight. He's dealing with some back soreness, and apparently this is something that uh, he's been dealing with for quite a few weeks now and more than likely will deal with for the remainder of the season. So no Devers tonight in 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 the lineup. As for the Mets, they beat the Marlins 5-4. Um, you know, thanks to a, a, a throwing error from Tanner Scott, uh, the relief pitcher who is, uh, who is in for Miami. So uh, it was all tied up at three in the 10th. And uh, Tanner Scott just tried to throw it to first and didn't even get it there. Uh, threw it right into the dirt. And, uh, and that's what helped the, the, the Mets win, of course. Alonzo, um, Pete Alonzo had a home run. Lindor got a home run as well. Carrasco gave up two runs, seven hits, and five-plus innings. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, Marte uh, left the game early with a groin injury. So we'll stay on top of that today. He's supposed to get an MRI, so we'll tell you what the latest is. Also, uh, good news with DeGrom. He's got his third rehab start. It's going to take place in uh, AAA Syracuse at some point in time this week. So that's positive news. Of course, as we know, Max Scherzer is back in action um, he's got two more spot starts before the all-star break. DeGrom expected to return to the rotation after the all-star break. Man, how excited are you for that Subway series that's going to take place soon? Four games the second half of the season. Two in Queens, two in the Bronx with the Mets and the Yankees. Man, that, that it's going to be off the charts, that's for sure. So uh, DeGrom, his first two rehab starts have been sensational. We'll see about this third one. Apparently he feels great, so... Uh, I'm sure Mets fans got to be really excited to get both these two aces back in the rotation after the All-Star break. But first things first, later on today at 140 is first pitch. And, uh, of course, this is a, uh, a Mets team looking to try to go 3-1 and one in this four-game series against the Marlins here in our own backyard. Walker will be pitching today. He's 7-2 and two with a 2.86 ERA um, against Alcantara, who's been sensational, one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball. So this is going to be a really great duel today. Alcantara. Alcantara is nine and three with a one eight two ERA. So um, if you're uh, heading out to the ballpark today, this is going to be a fun one, definitely to watch. Weather conditions look great. So uh, what a great Sunday fun day that's going to be. Quick break. We come back. Let's talk more about the Yankees' expectations for this coming season and uh, get you ready for Buster Olney, who's going to be joining us at nine thirty. Anita Marks with you on this Sunday fun day here on ninety eight point seven ESPN. Buster, great to have you on. It's been a hot second, hasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Good to talk with you, Anita. <laughs> um, I know you and I, I are, 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 
our paths did not cross at the same time in Baltimore, but Baltimore very near and dear to both of us. That's for sure. Uh, definitely a, a long, long-term connection uh, there. But uh, great to have you on here on 98.7 ESPN uh, this morning. All right. First and foremost, let's dive into what's going on with, with the Yankees and, um, you know, big picture here, right? Like I, I'd love to get into this Boston, uh, Red Sox series with you, but, but I think, you know, as we're getting closer to the, the all-star break, big picture this season, you know, like the majority of seasons for Yankee fans, Buster, it's world series or bust, right? Especially the way that the Yankees have been playing this season. And I thought it was interesting on Thursday, you, uh, retreated fan graphs, where they've got the Dodgers, the Braves, the Astros, and the Mets ahead of the Yankees in regard to the probability of winning the World Series. The Yankees only at 12.3. Talked about it yesterday. Got a boatload of calls. And, and Yankee fans going, what? What? They're the best team in Major League Baseball. You've got the Atlanta Braves and the Mets above them? Why? Your thoughts on the Yankees. Yeah, and they've been remarkable. Uh, you know, during the winter time, you think back to you know the absolute bedlam that followed the fact that they didn't get one of these elite shortstops. You know, Corey Seager, uh, you know Carlos Correa, et cetera, and all the concern. And, and then you're watching them play in play on a day in and day out basis, and they are dominating in everything. <laughs> like, you know, they have the best offensive baseball, uh, despite the fact that, you know, you've had some guys, uh, you know, go in and out. Stan's been slumping, you know, Josh Donaldson's been slumping, and yet they just plug along. They have this tremendous, uh, you know, base running this year, which is remarkable. You know, fourth in stolen bases in the big leagues and and the fewest stolen bases allowed. The pitching has been incredible. I, I thought the biggest question going into the year for the Yankees was, the the what would their starting rotation with so many guys who have extensive injury histories be able to hold up? And those guys have been taking the ball every fifth day, and their bullpen. Uh, you know, Clay Holmes now emerging as the best reliever in baseball, despite what happened last night. Um, it, it, it is remarkable how they've come together. And I was surprised when I saw those numbers. And, and you know how that that goes. All of that is is based on math and feel and and what the, the path of the, the teams are, I would say this. You know, I covered the 98 uh, Yankees when I was working at the New York Times, and so I've been asked the question a lot comparing this team to that team. This team, to reach that, has so far to go. <laughs> like, because it's New York and because it's the Yankees, they need to finish the deal to get full validation on what they accomplished during the regular season, and I'm sure that'll become really clear to the players as it did in 98 once you get into late September and October. Um, absolutely. Uh, and, and, and so let's, you know, we could sit here all day. We could talk about how great this team is and, and we all know how great they've been, but, but let's talk about some of the things that, that I feel that aren't so glaring, right? Like when, when this team, when the Yankees go up against strong right-handed pitchers, Buster, you go back and you look at their, you look at their, their record and look at games where they've only won by one run or they lost. And, and 95% of the time they're going up against really strong right-handed pitchers that pretty much take Stanton, Judge, and Donaldson out of the equation. I don't even want to get into the bottom of the lineup uh, with Gallo and Hicks, which you know I, I do expect Brian, Brian Cashman to address as we get closer to, to the beginning of August with the trade deadline. But but you know right there, that's that's a concern. Also, you talk about the rotation, and there's been some inconsistency as of late with with um, with with Cortez and, and Tyone. 
talk about what what they struggle with and what needs to improve in order to get over the hump as we get closer to, of course, the postseason. So as you were talking about uh, the Yankees hitters against strong right-handed pitching, I, I was going to jump in and say, oh, so you mean the Houston Astros? <laughs> like that rotation? Yep. And we saw that. Starts with Verlander, three. right? Yep. Exactly. And, and so, and I'm fascinated by where they are right now when it comes to what to do leading up the trade deadline, because there is this sort of, in baseball now, with so many teams, and the Yankees are at the forefront of this now, steep in analytics, and you're trying to increase your odds for winning uh, over the course of the big, over the course of long haul. And so if you're the Yankees, you get a 15-game lead in the American League East, which you know allows you to rest guys and to deal with nagging injuries. Um, and in theory, it also takes the pressure off you as you go closer to the trade deadline. But I'm with you. I think that you need to look at specific matchups, specifically when you play the Astros, because it feels like these two teams are you know, arguably the two best teams in baseball, and they might be in a collision course at some point. Who are the guys that are going to help you with that? Uh, you've been hearing the name Andrew Benintendi for the last few weeks. He's probably the most coveted player available uh, in the trade market. And the Royals, from what I was told uh, again yesterday, they're being aggressive now. Like, they're moving toward resolution. And I don't think any player fits the Yankees and what they need and what you just addressed more than Benintendi. He'd be a left-handed hitter uh, who puts the ball in play, great at bats, on base percentage close to 400. He's a good defender. He's got tons of postseason experience. Uh, you know, fit for Yankee Stadium. He's not hitting for power this year, but you know and I know in Yankee Stadium, left-handed hitters can make it happen. Uh, and on one hand, if you look at the standings, the Yankees could sit back and say to the world, look, we're not giving up anything of value because we're going to make the playoffs and we're in a good spot. And on the other hand, you could look at the trade market and say, we need to get these specific pieces to put us over the top. That's what the Cubs did in 2016. You remember that team was way ahead in the standings, and Theo Epstein basically said, we need a role this Chapman to be the finishing piece if we feel like we want to improve our chances for winning the World Series. I think that's how the Yankees should approach it. Uh, it's been interesting in recent weeks having conversations with other teams because they are like watching the Yankees and they're amazed by what they're doing, but they also see it being a, a team that's right in the center of its window of an opportunity to win because they do have a lot of older players. So this would be a time to go for it. Absolutely. Ken Buster only joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Um, in regard to the pitching rotation, do you expect Brian Cashman to make some moves there? I know uh, Castillo, right-handed pitcher from the Reds, has been named as uh, somebody of interest, not only for the Yankees, but for the Mets as well. Where do you see him going? Yeah, from what I understand, and I know that, you know the Reds have uh, you know started conversations with Castillo about trying to work out a long-term deal, and that's standard operating procedure this time of year for potential trade pieces. Um, you know, and the Reds are a funny team because they traded away a lot of money in the spring, but on the other hand, their owner you know is under a lot of criticism for not spending. If they were to work out a deal with Castillo long-term and keep him, that wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't be what I did. I mean, once you start to sell – you might as well uh, keep moving. Um, if they trade him, it's going to be for a big price, and there is going to be a lot of competition for him. And that's where, Anita, I do think the Yankees uh, will project and use the advantage in the standings. Say, look, we're not going to give up a boatload to get Luis Castillo uh, because that doesn't necessarily help us specifically in a matchup against a team like the Astros because you do have you know, Garrett Cole, 
uh, and other guys in the rotation, I think now would be fine in a, in a battle against the, against the Astros. Now, Frankie Montas is someone everyone's going to watch, the Oakland Athletic uh, right-hander, who is considered to be you know, potentially the best possible trade piece. He had to come out of his last start with shoulder stiffness. He got a cortisone shot. Again, there'll be a lot of competition from the Cardinals and other teams to get him. It wouldn't surprise me if the Yankees added depth to their rotation, but more to, to take pressure off the guys currently in the rotation because, let's face it, from this point forward, a big focus for Aaron Boone is to back off uh, pitch counts, rest these guys up a little bit, maybe even give them a break. You know, We're going to skip in the rotation this time through, but you can do that with a number four, number five type guy versus the front end of the rotation type guy. I, I think that those specific matchups, players that you're looking for that you and I are talking about would be in left field or in the bullpen. And, and I think that's where you, you look at those guys and say, hey, this is the guy who can help, be, uh, help us beat the Houston Astros. Buster, before we turn our attention to what's going on with the Mets, I do want to take a, a, a look ahead uh, to the schedule for the Yankees, especially after the All-Star break. I, I know they have still a few games left against uh, Boston, but man, they come out two games at Houston right, on July 21st, uh, so it'll be a double header that day, and, and then they're in Baltimore, uh, and then, man, Buster, please tell me you're going to be in New York July 26th and 27th for that Subway Series in, in, in Queens. Uh, I, I don't, <laughs> listen, we always talk about the Subway Series, there's always something special there, but like, I don't know, in, I don't know, in the last decade, I don't know if, if there's been more anticipation, more excitement um, about this Subway Series, and it starts in Queens, for two games, and then later on, uh, of course, in the season, it's it's in the Bronx. But uh, please tell me you're going to be here. I'm sure you you're not you can't miss these two games. No, a hundred percent. And you know what's cool about this one? I mean, we you know I covered the 2000 World uh, Subway Series uh, between these teams. You know, it was the first interleague games. But something that's different now is that it feels like that for the first time these are two heavyweights ready to go toe to toe. And it's not only about that series. But moving forward, when Aaron Judge becomes a free agent, is that where Hal Steinbrenner and Steve Cohen go, go uh, you know, nose to nose? Do they do that over Shohei Otani after the 2023 season? Uh, do they do it at going after Juan Soto? That is, I mean, we're, we're finally seeing the manifestation of Steve coming in as owner of the Mets and, and them being on the same financial ground, competing for the same things, the same players, the same champion, cha- championships, having the same expectations. That, that's really cool because, as you know, in the history of New York, typically there's been an ebb and flow to the, to the Yankees and the Mets. You know, as the, the, the Yankees go down, the Mets go up and vice versa. In this case, like, we're, we're seeing two teams that should be superpowers into the, into the future. It's really, really exciting stuff. And, and again, just just sticking with this Yankees schedule, you know, Seattle's been a, a pleasant surprise this season in Major League Baseball. They've got quite a few games against Seattle, home and away. Um, you look at the American League East, I want to say post-All-Star break, I think they've got like 30-something games against division rivals. And let's be honest, they're playing a lot better now than they did at the start of the season. Uh, you know, Toronto's been a huge disappointment the Oakland A's, as horrible as they are, for some reason they have the Yankees number. Maybe it's because they're strong right-handed pitchers as well. So it's it doesn't it's it's not a walk in the park second half of the season schedule for the Yankees. So keep that in mind. Um, as for the Mets, really exciting stuff we've seen. Got a taste of what Max Scherzer is looking like. 
after he was on the shelf for seven weeks. The two spot start uh, rehab starts for DeGrom have looked great. He's got a third one coming up this week in Syracuse. This is a Mets team that we know the second half of the season is going to have both their aces in the rotation. Here's my question to you. and not sure if, uh, you, you know, I'm just ballpark here. No pun intended, Buster. But, like, this is a Mets team. They've got the second-best record, right, uh, in, in the National League. Power ranking, second-best team behind the Dodgers. How much better, like, like, how many more wins do you think this Mets team could have had if DeGrom and Scherzer... Wow. Well, exactly. Like, I know it's a tough question to answer and I don't mean to put you on the hot seat, but I'm like, like, I'm just trying to like get my, wrap my head around and grasp an idea as great as this Mets team is right now, Buster, how much better could they be the second half of the season with the two aces in the rotation? How much better would they have been? How many more wins do you think we would have seen them get at this point if they would have had DeGrom and Scherzer active and attractive from the get-go? Yeah, uh, and, and they're on a 100-win pace, 101-win pace, as you and I are talking. I, I think they would have been right there with the Yankees. You know, they're um, looking at the standings. They're, you know, eight games behind the Yankees. They, they would have been close, you know, 59-60 wins versus the Yankees, 60, something in that range because those guys would have made a difference. And, uh, you know, on one hand, the, their absence was painful, and on the other hand, when you're talking about older pitchers, you're talking about the ground now. It's been more than a calendar year since he pitched in a major league game. Uh, when they come back, they'll be relatively fresh compared to their, uh, you know, some of their peers with other teams. Uh, they'll be, you know, have a, have a very constricted number of innings this year, and they should be able to roll through, uh, assuming that they are able to stay healthy. I agree with what Brandon Nemo said a few weeks ago that whatever any team adds it, it, before the trade deadline, some team adds Montas or Andrew Benatendi. Nobody's going to come close to what the Mets uh, are adding since the beginning of July with Scherzer and DeGrom. Uh, and it should strengthen. And by the way, they need it. Because <laughs> I, I saw the Braves, uh, you know, twice in the last two weeks. That team is, is, you know, they're defending champions and they are getting better. They've got the number one and number two candidates right now for National League Rookie of the Year, Spencer Strider, uh, who's just dominating at the back end of the Braves rotation. Over 100 strikeouts already. Um, yeah, he'd probably be number one. And their center fielder, Michael Harris, uh, the second, is difference-making. Talking to Max Fried the other day in Atlanta, and he was just mentioning it. It's like the team has turned around since he was promoted. That is an excellent team. And I know from you know talking to Braves players last week, they're fired up to play the Mets. Not cocky, we're going to beat them, but more like, this would be great. Like two good teams right now going head-to-head. Um, before I let you go, and I know I've, I've kept you on way too long, and I apologize. It is oh, it's a Sunday. Totally okay. it's, it's a Sunday morning. Um, but you mentioned, uh, you know, Aaron Judge, and and I just kind of want to end on this because this, I, I, you could only imagine, right, Buster? Like what a hot topic discussion that is here in New York City. Um, I, I thought Hal Steinbrenner's comments this week kind of like <laughs> it's not me, but kind of I don't want to say rubbed me the wrong way, but surprised me. He came out, he spoke to the media, and he said, "We made." We made Aaron Judge an offer that we felt how we value him here with the organization, and I don't regret it. If I'm Aaron Judge and I'm looking at that seven-year, 213.5, I'm saying, really, how? That's how you value me? Meanwhile, Trout's getting $36 million a year. There's reports that there's going to be 10 to 12 teams that are going to be offering me $40 million a year, possibly 10 years, and you're sticking to that offer that Brian Cashman made me prior to the season starting. Oh, okay. Like, 
I, I, like th- those comments did not sit well with me, but that's me. Like, I, I'm just, I'm curious, A, to get your thoughts on what Hal told the media and also part B, what do you expect is coming Aaron Judge's way in November? Yeah, and I it's funny because when I read Hal's quotes the other day, the one that stuck out to me was when he said, we're going to keep it all in-house, and I just sort of laughed because Brian, <laughs> his general manager, Brian, went out to Cashman, went out and was the one who, who detailed the offer in mm-hmm. the spring, which put it out there. Look, I, I and I do think the Yankees are going to be, you can call it stupid, you can call it disciplined, whatever your perspective is, uh, in the judge negotiations, I think they put a value on him. I will tell you that you know, folks on both union side, management side, thought their offer, uh, was, and I'm talking about with other teams, thought their offer was a fair offer. But they also uh, absolutely now run the risk of getting blown out of the water, and I think that's going to happen. I, and I don't know who it's going to be, but there is going to be an owner on the other side with another team who's going to look at Judge and say, I want that guy to be the face of my franchise. I want to you know, bring in the slugger who's been a leader, who's thrived in New York. It so much reminds me of, Anita, that what happened with Albert Pools and the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, where you know, he got to free agency and the Cardinals held the line on what their offer was going to be, and then all of a sudden Artie Moreno of the Angels swooped in and grabbed him. Uh, all it takes is one – excited owner is that going to be steve cohen is that going to be the giants is it going to be the cubs all it takes is one i think that'll happen i think if you were to give truth serum to the yankees people they think it's going to happen and i also think if you gave truth serum to the yankees people they also are thinking the back of the mind you know what uh we'd love to keep him we love the guy but shohei otani is coming down the pike and juan soto is coming down the pike and we've seen it with robinson cano and others you know, we will move on. I think that's where they are in these negotiations. And how much younger is Otani than than Judge? Do we know? I know Judge he's is thirty. He's a couple of years. Yep. Yeah. I he's think a that's. Years I think younger. that's important. I think that's important. Especially if, yep. especially you're talking about a dude who wants ten years. Uh, Buster, you 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 rock. Um, so great to hear your voice. Hope all is well with you and your family. And please know how much I appreciate your time this morning. Absolutely, Nita. Great to talk with you. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We're going to have Mo Hamilton on. We're going to switch gears here in, in just a hot second uh, to talk some NBA, but we've got quite a few calls and folks wanting to chime in talking about the Yankees. So um, we'll hear from Mo probably in about 10 or 15 minutes. want to remind you this year, the SBs are recognizing the 50th anniversary of Title IX, the landmark civil rights legislation that prohibited discrimination based on gender in federally funded educational institutions. So ESPN New York will be honoring outstanding female athletes, coaches, administrators for their contributions that they've made to their local community uh, in areas of, of broadening access to sports for girls. If you know someone that has made a significant impact on athletics in your local community, please nominate them at honoraryesp.com and tell us why they deserve an honorary SP award. Submissions will be accepted through Wednesday, July 13th. So you just have just a few days, uh, four days, and in uh, full contest rules. So again, go to ESPN.com to, of course, find out more. Let's head out to your phone lines. Let's go to Mitchell in Eastland. Mitchell, welcome in. How's it going, Anita? How are you doing? Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Great. Good morning, Is. Um, I guess the time we met to get a... Um, Get a Degrom and a Max back. You know, I'll be a grandfather, and I think uh, the only really competition they have to worry about is the land. We've been playing pretty good lately too, so it's going to be some race. Uh, you got to say both these guys are Hall of Famers. And two more things: you can ever uh, retire Daryl Strawberry, especially his number, Dwight Gooden, and I love to see uh, Aaron Judge a Dodger next year. That's their fault. That's a big mistake by the Yankees. Yeah, and, and and Mitchell, thanks for the phone call. We just had Buster Olney on, and and you know he said you know behind closed doors, one would imagine that uh, the Yankees um, are anticipating uh, a lot of suitors for Aaron Judge, and are they willing to give him up? I thought it was interesting. He mentioned Otani, who's a few years younger. Here, the, the biggest the biggest issue when it comes to Aaron Judge is the fact that not only does he want. $40 million a year. He wants to be paid just as much, if not more than, than trout who's making 36, but he wants a 10 year deal at that point. He's going to be 40 years old. So if you're going to, if you're going to offer a, a player 10 years, typically, if you look at the statistics in regard to major league baseball players, their stats truly start falling off around like 35, 36, 37 years old. So, you know, do you want to be paying Aaron judge $40 million when he's 37, 38, 39, 40, and not producing like he is right now. I wouldn't want to if I was a general manager. I know I've had several Yankee fans who've called into the show saying, well, you know, we paid him nothing for the last few years. Isn't he due? No. Mm -mm. No, if if you're, if you're going (laughs) to think, marinating this for a minute, if you're going to be players moving forward for what they did for you in the past, are are you going to have a good team five, six years from now? Absolutely not. You can't do that. Can't do that. Let's go to Mike in Brooklyn. Mike, welcome in. How you doing? I mean, I'm just thinking George Steinbrenner was the greatest owner in the world. 
You know, he has that I want to win mentality. He's, he was never happy just owning a team. I mean, if you talk to Derek Jeter, he'll even say it. If we ain't win the championship, oh, we ain't do nothing. And luxury tax, George didn't worry about luxury tax. Every Yankee fan knows how much stuff costs in Yankee Stadium. So money shouldn't be a problem. All those years, and Aaron just wants to be a Yankee. Everybody can't play under the lights. Um, you know, Mike, it's just, it's a different, it's a different day here, right? Uh, with, you know, you know, Papa, Papa Steinbrenner is, is no longer running the ship here. And so, and, and not, and, and not to say, you know, it's not like, it's not like the Yankees have, you know, they, they still, and thanks for the phone call, Mike. It's not like the Yankees don't spend money. Yeah. They spend money, right? Like you look at, you look at their, um, you know, the, where where they stand uh, in, in the landscape of, you know, what teams are playing, what they're paying for their rosters. They're nowhere near the bottom, right? They're towards the top, top five, but uh, not to the point where, you know, it's like, you know, the, the, the taxes is, is not important or not taken into consideration. Um, you know, uh, but so, you know, the, the, at, at the end of the day, they spend money, but they spend money wisely. And so, you know, I, I just, I think that's something in it because I've been fielding so many calls the last few weeks and month, uh, you know, Yankee fans, I, I just, I'm not sitting here telling you that it's going to happen, but you know, you need to be prepared that this very well could be a Yankees roster without Aaron judge on it next season. Okay. I mean, that's, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a real, it's a realistic possibility. Okay. It's a realistic possibility. And, and again, just to take a look, I just want to take a look at this Yankee schedule. Um, once they come back from the all-star break, uh, before we switch gears and we're going to be talking some, is some NBA in just a second, Moke Hamilton is going to join us in the next five or 10 minutes. Uh, but you know, they come out of the all-star break and immediately two games in Houston. I think that's going to be crucial. And, and by the way, it's a double header. So that's going to be really interesting. Um, you know, and, and, and as Buster and I were talking about, you know, it's just Houston, especially their rotation is built to beat the Yankees with strong right-handing pit, right-hander, right-handing pitching. Okay. So that's going to be interesting right out of the bat. Then they go to Baltimore. They've got three games in Baltimore. Baltimore always plays the, the, the Yankees well, um, not to, not to think, not to expect, you know, possibly, you know, Yankees sweep that series. They go three, and zero more than likely, but you know, Baltimore always steps up for some reason against the Yankees. And then, and then, they, oh man, mark your calendars if they're not already marked, right? July 26th, July 27th. This is going to be incredible um, with the Yankees going to Queens, taking on the Mets. And, and both of those are, uh, are, e- are evening games, of course. Thank goodness. Uh, one is going to be on TBS. So uh, first Subway series, two game series against the Mets. And then they come home, they're against Kansas City, uh, which, and that's a four-game series, which is great. But then their next three, six, seven, their next nine games, six of their next nine games after that is against Seattle. And Seattle has been sneaky good as of late. And I do believe that they're going to be active as we get closer to the trade deadline. And I think they're going to be a good team uh, come the second half of the season. And so six of their next nine games following that is against Seattle. 
And then they've got a ton of games, obviously, against their division rivals. Three against Boston, three against Tampa, four against Toronto, and then, of course, the next Subway Series uh, back at home in the Bronx against the Yankees. So, and, and then, again, more games against Tampa, more games against Boston. So, uh, a, lot of, a lot of games against Boston, especially towards the end of the second the second, uh, the second half of the season. It's going to be fun. At the end of the day, guys, it's going to be fun. This is a fun ride for both, for all of New York, for Yankees and Mets fans, right? Because Mets, you're getting your two aces back into the rotation. Uh, and, and talking to Buster only, like hard, hard to get your hands around or get a grip in regard to just how much better this team could be if they had DeGrom active all season and Max Scherzer wasn't on the shelf for seven weeks, Buster said possibly same record as the Yankees. Same record as the Yankees. So uh, for Mets fans, got to be thrilled about that. Got to be really excited to see uh, how well this team is going to perform in the second half of the season. God willing, hopefully they stay healthy, especially DeGrom and Max Scherzer. Uh, What moves uh, they make heading into um, August 2nd, which is the trade deadline, and, uh, and as well for the Yankees. So it's, it, it is an exciting time, and I'm really, really so stoked for the second half of the season, as well as heading into the postseason, because we can expect both the Mets and the Yankees to make it in the postseason. It's going to be an absolute blast. We know that. Okay, quick break. We come back. Uh, we'll switch gears. Moke Hamilton is going to join us. We'll get you up to speed. What's the latest? I, like I said, each and every day, you go online, whether it's Twitter, whatever social media account you go to, Instagram, whatever it is, or you just go to ESPN.com and there's new news. Every day there's something new that is being reported when it comes to the drama over there in Brooklyn when it comes to the Nets. also want to talk to Moak um, about, uh, about the Knicks and they're sitting on a, man, like a gold mine of draft picks. What are you sitting on them for? Make a move. Is it Donovan Mitchell to bring him in and have possibly one of the best backcourts in the NBA with him and Brunson? That's what I'd like to see them do. Could that happen? We'll discuss it all with uh, with Moke Hamilton next. Anita Marks with you, 98.7 ESPN. to talk some NBA with you. So Moke Hamilton joins us on the program here on 98.7 ESPN. Moke, how you doing this morning? Uh, not, not too bad. Not too bad. I, I hope you guys are doing well over there. And I hope that uh, all, all your dogs are, are happy and well fed as usual. Anita. <laughs> oh, trust me. They are my friend. They are. There is so much going on. Uh, right now in the NBA, of course, we've got the summer league happening in Vegas. All the executives are there um, chatting it up. I'm sure none more active and attractive and aggressive as the Nets front office. That's for sure. Let's start right there, right? So from what I understand now, um, you know, more more than likely in, in, in talking and, and hearing from a number of analysts and, and those who report on the NBA, it's like it's like a foregone conclusion. Like absolutely, positively, Kyrie is going to end up in LA. the 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 discussion now is how does he get there, right? Because you know, do the Nets really want Russell Westbrook? You know, there's he's they'd have to pay eleven more million dollars for him than they do KD. I don't know if I look at that as a deal. From what I understand, the Nets want 
first round draft picks, all the Lakers have to offer is 227, uh, 229, 2027, 2029, right? So, you know, and, and also I'm hearing that they don't, they're, they're not going to work out a deal with the Lakers and send Kyrie there until they work out their deal with where KD is going. And that might take a minute. What, what's the latest that you're hearing pertaining to the Nets, Moak? Yeah, pr- pr- pretty, much, pretty much the same, Anita. Um, the other thing that I would kind of point out with Brooklyn that I don't really think I hear a lot of people talking about is the fact that uh, I will say that I, I do know that there are a lot of other executives and a lot of other front office personnel that have an interest in what's happening in Brooklyn because as a, as a class, the general managers and the owners around the league sort of look at Brooklyn and, and Kevin Durant as sort of a case study, so to speak. Um, the Pelicans went through something similar with Anthony Davis when he made his trade request, and he still had a couple of years left of his deal. But with Kevin Durant, th- this is somewhat unprecedented. You know, someone with a superstar, I should say, with four years left on his contract um, requesting a trade, the Nets don't really have to acquiesce to that demand, to that request. You know, like they can keep him, they can force him to show up, and they can force him to play. And to this point, at least publicly, I shouldn't say publicly, but at least uh, outwardly to other general managers across the league, I've been told that that's the way that Brooklyn is kind of expressing themselves. Is they don't they don't want to give the appearance that they feel like they have to trade Kevin Durant in the next week or two. They're willing to take their time. If there's not a deal that they like, then they're willing to kind of just wait and see where this thing goes. Whether that's true or not, and whether Brooklyn actually does want to be rid of him sooner rather than later, at a minimum, we can expect that they have until September, right? Like, it's not really going to make a difference to the Nets from a team standpoint as long as he's out by training camp. And training camps aren't going to convene for another couple of months. So, to be honest with you, I, I... I don't think that Sean Marks is going to be rushed into making a decision. And I could say a lot of the same things for Kyrie Irving. You know, I don't really think he's going to be rushed because the Nets really aren't under that much pressure to do something quickly. They can afford to be patient and work on their own own timeline. And there are a lot of people around the league that support them taking that stance because they understand the situation. And a lot of people are happy to see a front office stand up to its star player, so to speak, because other teams wouldn't want the same sort of thing to happen to them, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, you know, the Nets are setting an example here and a precedent in in regard to NBA players and the power that they possess. What, you know, if, if, if they, if the Nets fold and they buckle, well, what's a contract then? Exactly. You know, you know, you you are devaluing what a contract stands for, um, and so yeah, I I, I, told, I can totally see that there are a number of executives and a number of owners that are like, you know, um, <laughs> I don't know, this is such a horrible example, like how we were with Hillary, right? Like Hillary, like stand strong, man, stand strong. Like he cheated <laughs> on you, Hillary. Like stand, you know. <laughs> stand your own. Like we're all watching Hillary, like, you know, and then wah, wah, wah. Uh, but anyway, like I, so I can totally see, I can totally see where like the other 
NBA franchises and organizations are are eyeing the Nets and going, stand strong, man. Come on, Sean Marks, don't buckle, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean that's 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 definitely that's definitely true. Um, I think I think that is what's happening a bit. Uh, I guess what I'd also add though is that as it relates to Kyrie Irving specifically, there is a bit more pressure there for the Nets only because obviously Kyrie Irving is heading into the final year of his deal. So if he's not traded by February and the Lakers are going to have cap space to offer Kyrie Irving a competitive, at least as it stands right now, they're in line to have cap space to offer him a competitive contract next summer. And another thing, um, at at least from, from what I've heard, Kyrie has been, well, you know, I'm sorry, let me not say Kyrie himself, but at least those that we trust to know his thinking say that he does have his eyes on L.A. and that he does want to be a Laker, and, and worst-case scenario, that will happen next summer. Now, obviously, as a free agent, now, obviously, that could just be posturing. We, we hear things like that all the time. But what I, I can tell you, Anita, for an in-prime NBA player, a year is an eternity, it's a long time. And, and, and to be honest with you, that's why if I'm Sean Marks, I actually would consider telling these guys that I'm not trading them. I'm going to bring them back. We're going to go one more year with it and see what we can do. Because even if a guy says that he doesn't necessarily want to be on a team or in a situation, you're not usually going to see that guy mail it in. These guys are competitive these guys want to win, and even if they say, hey, I don't want to be here anymore, I want to go somewhere else, if you line them up on the court with other guys that they, the other guys that do want to be there and do want to play and do want to win, it's not the best team chemistry uh, situation, but when guys get out there on the floor, they play to win and they play to compete. So I do think that's probably in the back of Sean Marks' mind as well. But I will say with Kyrie, obviously there's a bit more pressure there because you only have until February to move him out. Otherwise, you risk losing him for nothing, much in the same way Brooklyn was at risk of losing James Harden for nothing this past summer, which is why they ended up trading him. So right now, if I had to put money on one of the two of these guys being dealt, it it would be Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant would probably be second behind him only because there's less pressure because of Kevin Durant's contract. Mo Hamilton joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. I know we've been spending a lot of time talking about the Nets, um, and, and rightfully so, right? This is ESPN Radio New York, but let's let's spend a minute talking about the Lakers because reports out of L.A. is that Jeannie Buss and LeBron are on opposite sides. Now, what does that mean? Um, you know, they are eyeing other players other players that they'd rather bring in to booster and better this roster. There's also some talk and speculation that uh, the Lakers don't want to trade Russell Westbrook, um, even though, you know, it was a monumental failure in regard to him and LeBron and AD. Uh, Frank Vogel is getting a lot of the blame in regard to uh, lack of chemistry, lack of game plan as to why it didn't work more so uh, than, than Russell Westbrook. But there's also reports that LeBron wants Kyrie there and is doing everything he can to force his power on that organization. But listen, he did it for Russell Russell Westbrook. He wanted Russell Westbrook. They gave him Russell Westbrook. So 
you know, <laughs> what, what, what are you, what are you hearing? What do you know about the Lakers situation? And, and Jeannie Buss, don't forget about a week, two weeks ago, put up some cryptic Kobe Bryant tweet. I miss Kobe. Kobe understood what team was about. Um, he understood what winning was about. I think that was a really cryptic tweet for LeBron based on everything that we're hearing now that LeBron and, and the front office are, are on opposite ends. No. Yeah, well, that, that tweet was definitely interesting. I think a lot of us sort of uh, took out our, our magnifying glasses and our, and our monocles and were reading it trying to figure out exactly what, what Jeannie Buss was referring to there. Um, yeah, there's, there, there's a lot there, Anita. I, I think from, from LeBron's perspective, I can understand why he'd be willing to put his head, his, his head on his neck on the line for, for Kyrie Irving because he believes in Kyrie. You know, and, and despite what happened with, with these two guys, I mean, these guys were teammates for a long time. And when you're, when you're in the foxhole with a guy like that for years, much less when you win a championship with the guy, uh, it, 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 it creates a bond that really can't be replaced by anything else. And then the other thing I can tell you is if you, if you gave LeBron some truth serum and if you asked people in his camp, they would probably admit to you that they do think they owe a certain level of, I guess I would say loyalty to Kyrie Irving only because, and this is one of the things that, that caused Kyrie to act out of Cleveland in the first place. Kyrie really doesn't get the credit that he's probably due for the Cavaliers pulling off that upset against the Warriors in the finals. You know, Kyrie Irving is the one that made that shot. Oh, and when I, I give were I, coming, coming, <laughs> I give him credit. Moke, I have said Cleveland does not win that series without Kyrie Irving. And I get destroyed for it. Oh, you hate LeBron. Blah, 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 blah. No, it's not about that. Oh, it's, it's not, it's, it's not about, first of all, I don't, I don't hate anyone that's, that's wasted energy. It's ridiculous. I don't hate anyone, but like, I, I, I have, I have given, like, I, I truly like, could they have won without LeBron? No. But could LeBron have won without Kyrie? I think Kyrie's performance, uh, especially towards you know that last game. Granted, LeBron had that amazing block, but offensively, um, you know, I give more weight to Kyrie's play in that series. That, and and not to sit here and tell you that Kyrie's a better player than LeBron. That's not what I'm saying. But in that series, especially the the crucial games that needed to be won in order for them to win, to me, Kyrie outplayed. Yeah, he showed up. Oh man, big time, big yeah. time. So, so yeah, yeah I, I hear you. I hear you. So, 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 so that's just always going to cause LeBron to have a level of respect for him. And it's going to cause LeBron to believe in him. So I can understand if, if, if he wants to stick his feet in the sand and say, no, no, this is the guy, this is the guy we need to get him. And then the other thing too, just quickly, Anita, Russell Westbrook wasn't the first choice of, of LeBron and Anthony Davis, from what I understand. He, he was considered, I, I, I want to say Damian Lillard, based on reports that I've read, was who they really wanted, and obviously that didn't work out. Uh, they could have had DeMar DeRozan, uh, but, but the point that I'm trying to make is that Russell Westbrook appeared to them to be the best option of, the best of their secondary options. That's basically what I should say. So... I guess there, there can be some debate about the level of culpability that LeBron James should have for Russell Westbrook being brought to L.A., but he wasn't his first choice in the first place. So I think that is – I think it's fair to debate and discuss. 
Um, but what I what I will say is, you know, LeBron should probably consider uh, retiring from from the GM post based on the team's yeah, performance last year. Yeah, good luck. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. Well, yeah, because so, from, from what I understand, he was consulted on pretty much every move that the team made before they actually did it, and uh, that, that obviously ended up not being su- such a great situation. So I understand his want for Kyrie Irving, but digging in his heels and, and threatening the front office and things like that, if those things are true, then um, I, I, I would say that uh, I, I wouldn't really support that kind of act from, uh, from, from King James himself. Um, uh, Moke Hamilton joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Moke, before I let you go, I've spent so much time the last week or two talking about the Nets, and rightfully so because of you know all the drama yeah, surrounding um, you know yeah. NBA free agency. But I, but let's let's really quick before I let you go, let's talk about the Knicks and, and Jalen Brunson. Great get, obviously for the Knicks, but they're sitting on a gold mind of picks, and there's a lot of talk and speculation about Donovan Mitchell. What are you hearing about the Utah Jazz? What are you hearing about Donovan Mitchell? And what do you think it would take in order for the Knicks to land him? And you, you add Donovan Mitchell alongside Brunson. Uh, you're talking about arguably top three, top five backcourt in the NBA. What is it going to take to get it done? And, and can it get done? Okay, so can it get done? Uh, I would say yes, it can get done. You wouldn't see a team like the Utah Jazz trade away Rudy Gobert and, and start looking toward the future. When teams do that, it and, and hiring such a, a young head coach in Will Hardy, when teams do that, it typically signifies an appetite for them to go out and rebuild. The only thing is that Portland did some similar things, and they're actually looking to restock and rebuild around Damian Lillard. doesn't seem like they're looking to move him, especially with the extension that they just signed him to. So there can at least be an argument said to, to say that the Jazz want to do something similar with Donovan Mitchell. Personally, I do not think that's the case. I do think that he will eventually be traded because I don't think Donovan himself is happy in Salt Lake City anymore. And I don't think that he himself has the appetite for what looks like it will be a lengthy rebuild in the Western Conference. So if you're the Knicks and you want to pry him from from their hands right now, I I think you'd be looking at um, an offer that is at least somewhat similar to what they got for Rudy Gobert. So we're talking, you know, three or four first round picks over the next couple of years. Um, you know, you could be looking at Obi Toppin and R.J. Barrett potentially involved in packages going out to Utah. And for the Knicks, it, it might just be too rich of a price to pay right now. Um, so can it be done? I think it can be. I just think it would be a bit too expensive for the Knicks, at least at this moment in time. So I wouldn't necessarily expect Donovan Mitchell to be wearing a Knicks uniform uh, come opening night. I think Utah has made it pretty clear that that they're looking for a serious, serious offer. And I'm just I just think the Knicks front office will exhibit a bit more patience than that, especially considering the signs that their young guys have shown last season, as well as now having Jalen Brunson, who they believe is capable of steering this ship. So I think uh, Knicks fans and the front office will continue to to be uh, a little more patient. Um, Does that mean uh, Brunson and Fournier or do you think Fournier gets traded and uh, we see one of these young guns uh, step up and, and solidify that, that backcourt with Brunson. Do you think Fournier is going to be traded? Well, I, well I, know that, I know they wouldn't, they wouldn't mind finding a taker for him, Anita, but the problem is um, they, there just hasn't been a market for Evan Fournier. You know, there were some conversations at the trade deadline about him, 
Not sure if there's been anything in, in the past couple of weeks, but there's also no reason to believe that his market value has increased from the trade deadline to now. So the Knicks, unfortunately, might be in a situation where if they want to find a taker for Evan Fournier, they might have to attach an asset to his to him and to his contract, similar to what they had to do with Kemba Walker and the, the Detroit Pistons. And for the Knicks, I'm just I'm just not sure that that's worth it right now at this point, unless they had an idea of what they wanted to do with that cap relief that they would get. And I, I just haven't heard anything to indicate that that is uh, actually true. So for now, I would expect to see Evan Fournier on, on the Knicks opening opening night roster. Um, but you know, stranger things have happened, right? So I, I will give that caveat. He's healthy. He's playing. He's still productive. But if he's going to be dealt, it's probably going to be to take back something that the Knicks might not necessarily want that much in return or sending out an asset with him. And I don't think either of those two scenarios is, is really good for this front office. So I'd expect to see Evan Fournier on this team for the foreseeable future. He's Moke Hamilton, always gracious to join us here on 98.7 ESPN on, on Sunday. Moke, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your morning. Thanks a lot. You too. You got it. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. I had Andrew Snellings, who joined me um, on, uh, on our gambling show on Friday night to preview uh, this men's championship. Wimbledon is happening right now. The first set, Kyrgios, Nick Kyrgios won. Now, keep in mind, he's been on the shelf for a hot second because Nadal had to uh, withdraw because of uh, an oblique injury. So that's how Kyrgios was able to advance to this men's finals, this men's singles final here that's being played right now. He won the first set. Uh, Djokovic won the second set. So, so Kyrgios won the first set 6-4. Uh, the Joker won the second set 6-3. It's now in the third set, and they're all tied 4-4. Ooh, this is a good one. Uh, but here was Andrew Snellings earlier on, uh, on Friday night breaking down this matchup. Let's listen in. This one is very intriguing because the guy he's playing, Nick Kyrgios, was unseated for the tournament. But everyone knows that if Kyrgios is focused and on his game, he's got as much talent as anybody on the tour. And so this is the first time in his career he's made a final in a major because he's never been able to focus this long. But 
uh, he did win a doubles major at the Australian Open uh, earlier this year. And so that was like a first sign that he was really starting to lock in. He's been almost unbeatable on grass thus far. So he's a worthy opponent for Djokovic. All of that said, is the joker on grass. He's won mm-hmm. like almost 40 matches in a row um, at Wimbledon. So obviously I expect him to win. But again, there's not much juice at minus 400, minus 425. So I'm looking at the, the, the handicap betting. Um, you could get joker minus four and a half games at uh, minus 130. I think that's a solid bet because, you know, as we've seen, even when he's gone five sets in this tournament, he eventually figures out his opponent, and once he does, he starts throwing in 6-2, 6-1, 6-3 games. So I'm expecting him to win by at least four and a half games. So I, I think that's another one that, that um, that's a way to get a little bit more juice and still uh, go with the Joker. Um, so there was his preview on Friday. We'll see if that materializes. Uh, Joker just won um, that set. So now they're up 5-4. Uh, in the third set. Without further ado, it's time for What is Trending. This is Click, 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 or Don't. Very simply, here's the headline. Are you interested in clicking or not? That's right. It's uh, time for Click or Don't Click, a fun way that we find out what is trending at 11.05 a.m. on this Sunday morning, as always. Our producers lead the way, and that's Tom and Jacob this morning. Gentlemen, what you got? All right, so starting in the NBA, Anita, I don't know if you heard, but Damian Lillard is a very, very happy guy because he just signed a newly minted deal with the Trailblazers. I believe Mm -hmm. it was two years for $122 million, if I got the terms correctly. But I just read an article today that says he's proud to be known for committing to one team, unlike certain superstars in the NBA nowadays. Um, Lillard has made it clear over the years that he wants to stay in Portland and um, will um, stay in the organization, and he wants to try and win a title from there. So from Lillard, I've always said that if I do something that goes against who I am and and say I do end up winning, I know me better than any of y'all know me. So I'd be happy with it because I don't think anybody wouldn't be happy being a champion. But it wouldn't be as fulfilling to me as I would want to be, as I would want that moment to be. As long as I have an opportunity to do it, a good opportunity to compete for the title, I'm willing to go out however. And he is speaking again for Portland there, meaning he wants to stay committed to Portland for life, it sounds like, which is rare out of an NBA superstar such as Lillard nowadays, Anita. Uh, that That's for sure. Uh, listen, I, I've said this time and time again. I, I love... Uh, Damian Lillard, um, I, I do believe that he's one of the, he's just not valued or or, or underestimated or uh, not appreciated, underappreciated. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, I, I know there's been some talk and speculation the last few years, you know, could he end up here in New York with, with the Knicks? I would love that. He's one of my favorite players in the NBA. Um, you know, I, I just, you know, I, I mean, how, how, competitive can Portland be right now you know I don't know I'm looking at their roster it's it's okay but you know do do they have what it takes uh to to truly compete and uh and and be a force to be reckoned with I I just don't know I just don't know but you know I I love his commitment it's not what we're seeing right here in New York with KD 
or Kyrie, it's very few and far between when you have a player of his caliber who's truly committed uh, to an organization. So you, you have to commend that on some level. Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were going to keep talking a little bit more. Yeah, no, you got to absolutely commend Lillard for what he's doing. It's very honorable of him to want to stay with Portland. Again, the team that's kind of drafted him, and it's really been his only home to him. And, I mean, like, I've been in, even seen videos of him, like, in the community, like, even giving out shoes to kids, like, um, in uh, neighborhoods in Portland that, like, just shows his commitment level to Portland, and it's just great to see, again, superstars such as Lillard staying in a smaller market such as Portland. What else you guys got? Well, Anita, what a day it was at City Field. Don't you agree? <laughs> I don't know. Tell me all the reasons why. Well, to kick it off, Keith Hernandez finally got his jersey number retired. Number 17. Yeah, that was that was pretty emotional. That was a big that was a big moment for a lot of uh hometown Mets fans who've been Mets fans for a long time. That's uh one of the cornerstone guys of our organization. Mm -hmm. Uh also great in the booth if you didn't know also. But right after that, that's where the theatrics and the high energy kicked in. The Mets went to extras last night and backup catcher Thomas Nito hit a tying double with two outs in the tenth inning. It was it was kind of crazy because he also scored on the throwing ever by reliever Tanner Scott. And the Mets were able to come back and win. But to me, I think the best thing out the whole night was uh seeing Pete Alonso with a tribute mustache and blue stirrups for our guy Keith Hernandez. Uh, not I, I mean, listen, I, I think Alonzo is, is hilarious, right? Like, um, not only is he is he great, arguably, right, best guy in the lineup, one of the best players on the team, but also, you know, seems to me like a really fun kind of clubhouse guy, lighthearted, loves to play around, and, um, and, and love that he did that last night, on top of the fact that he hit a home run, right? Yeah, and he hit a home run literally right exactly where they uh, retired uh, Hernandez's number. So it was pretty iconic. On top of that, um, uh, I don't. it was just a crazy night overall. And um, his little audio from uh, Pete Alonso on his tribute. Pete, when did you decide on the uh, the Keith tribute? Uh, the boys wanted me to shave uh, and have a mustache. And then I was like, you know what? If the boys want it, I'll give it to them. <laughs> so they wanted me to do it, and I was like, all right, yeah, I might as well in the first baseman. So uh, I saw Keith in the tunnel prior, and he, he got a pretty pretty good kick out of it. So if uh, if I'm going to do the mustache, I might as well do the stirrups thing as well. <laughs> so you got, you got to love it. you yeah, got to love might, it. But I needed also to add to this, uh, the last time the Mets went on a throwing error was uh, the famous Game 6 in 1986 World Series against the Boston Red Sox while Keith Hernandez was in uniform. So it all comes full circle, doesn't it? It does. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting. And talking to a number of Major League Baseball pitchers, like they, they can they can throw a – they can pitch a baseball. But, like, I think this might surprise some folks – Many of them can't throw a baseball, if if that makes any sense. And and I've had a and I, like I've had a lengthy conversation with a lot of starting pitchers in Major League Baseball, and they're like, I can pitch, but for me to like toss or throw a baseball, it's hard. 
So, and I know that might surprise some folks, but you know, it's, 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 it, it just didn't happen last night uh, in that, in that Mets game. It, it actually, you know, it, it happens quite frequently and it, it might blow your mind that that's the case, but for a lot of major league baseball pitchers, it is. You guys got one more thing. Are you guys, are you guys sharing a mic today? <laughs> no, it almost feels what like is it, going right? on back there. I, it was it's, it's just a lot of it's just a lot of hard work back here. You know, a lot no, of moving I'm parts. So, I'm sorry, but it just sounds like you guys are sharing a mic. Uh, no, 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 not today. Okay, okay. I mean, I mean, we could if you want us to. We can like pass around. No, no. I'm just, I'm just, I just hear a lot of mic movement. Um, but with that being said, you have one more before we go to break. What else is trending? Sure, let's really talk uh, really quickly talk about Brittany Griner, just an update in her case. Former Governor Bill Richardson plans a Russian trip for talks aimed at freeing Brittany Griner. Um, Richardson has a long history of working to free Americans wrongly detained overseas. Um, I'm reading this from ABC News right now. He most recently mm -hmm. played a role in a prisoner exchange that saw Russia release former U.S. Marine Trevor Reed after nearly two and a half years in captivity. He's currently representing the Griner family as well as the family of Paul Whelan, another former Marine held by Russia for three and a half years. And as we all know, Griner pled guilty to uh, bringing hashish oil into Russia earlier this week, uh, telling the judge that she had done so inadvertently while asking the court for mercy. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and if you if you read more into, because I'm sure folks are out there going, oh, you see, I told you she was guilty. I, if you read more into this, uh, from what I understand, she's being instructed to um to 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 say that she's guilty uh to, to move forward with a guilty plea uh in order to help the government arrange a prisoner swap uh, i guess there's like two or three russian prisoners that russia wants back and so uh the government our government instructed Brittany griner to plead guilty to help with that prisoner swap from from what i understand um now whether she's guilty or not Truthfully, I don't know, uh, but I'm just I'm, I'm sharing that with you um, based on, on, on what I've read and, and what I'm hearing. By the way, uh, let, let's talk a little NFL when we get back. Why? Big trade that went down, obviously, this week with um, Baker Mayfield going to Carolina exchange for a conditional fourth or fifth round pick that goes back to Cleveland. Uh, everybody, no more than the Cleveland Browns, anxiously waiting uh, to see what the uh, disciplinary decision is going to be from Sue Robinson for Deshaun Watson. But nonetheless, there's new news here in regard to the NFL Sunday ticket uh, and where it's going to be moving to. You know, the way we consume the NFL has changed tremendously, and it's going to change even more. Um, I'll share that with you when we get back, and we'll, we'll, we'll dive into some NFL talk and, and bring you up to speed on some of the NFL notes. As, uh, training camp is going to open up at the end of this month. It's going to be here before we know it. That's for sure. Anita Marks with you on this Sunday Fun Day here on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> I'm looking for this post right now on uh, on social media uh, for whatever reason. Um, uh, oh, here we go. Uh, I'm I, I'm kind of finding it, kind of not. But uh, Jacob, you you have it. So why don't you ex explain? Why don't you let our listeners know exactly what is trending right now pertaining to Jets quarterback Zach Wilson? Well, I was uh, scouring the internet right before click it on click. I didn't want to share the story because I didn't know how true it was. I still don't know how true it is. But 
Uh, word on the street is uh, Zach Wilson's ex-girlfriend is now dating his former BFF and BYU roommate and uh, current commander's wide receiver Dex. Was that Milne? Dex, I'd say it's Milne, M-I-L-N-E. Yeah, yes, Milne. Yes, yes, yes. So, and, but apparently in the midst of that, uh, Zach is dating uh, his mom. Well, Milne's mom, not his actual mom, but Milne's mom, which is kind of weird. <laughs> So, uh, throughout my whole timeline, I'm just seeing people uh, big up Zach and uh, talk about this whole story. It's actually kind of wild to me how your own BFF and roommate, like, uh, it's it's, kind of weird to me. I don't know. Well, I mean, I think it's weird to everybody, Jacob, okay? Like, you don't, you don't date your, your best friend's mom. I mean, you, like, I don't, like that. I, I don't know. Some people don't have I don't think it's. I just don't think it's weird to you, okay? I think it's weird to everybody. So, so in essence, uh, Pro Football Talk, uh, there, there's a number of sites that are picking up on this story. Um, and so, uh, again, and, and this is, we need to clarify, right? Like, this is on social media, um, this is, <laughs> this is what's being reported from a num- number of different sites on social media. Um, but pretty much what they're saying is that Zach Wilson was dating, uh, his BYU roommate, best friend's mother, who's Dak Milne, M-I-L-N-E. And then Zach Wilson's ex-girlfriend then started dating Dax, Right. Is that what we're? Is that what's being out there? Is that what's being reported? I believe. <laughs> I believe so. That's why I can see. So, so pretty much, there's all these photographs of Zach Wilson um, dressed up as the graduate. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious! People are and, people are so quick to like create these creative posts on Twitter, like all the time. It it brings a smile to my face. And and this just came out, right? Yes, this just came out uh, today as well, and I'm actually looking at a Pro Football Talk article from uh, Braxton Berrios. Uh, Zach Wilson, quote-unquote, aged so much mentally and physically since last year, and that now we get to hear this story as well. Well, I mean, I'm... <laughs> he just has that dog in him. He he has that dog in him. That's all. Uh, hopefully, it translates to on the field uh, the same way he's carrying himself off the field. Here's the thing. This really stinks that this this comes out like just a few weeks before training camp opens, right? Like, you know, this is a season where it's the second season. He had such a horrible first season statistically. He wants to come out. He wants to do better. This is such a distraction. This is such a, I would imagine this is somewhat of an embarrassment, right? Um, I, I mean, anyway. I mean, I don't know if it's embarrassing. I guess it's really to like the eye of the beholder about how embarrassing it really is. It could, it could be, really, Tom? Because I mean, if you be said, something. if I said, if you, if, if you and I were talking, I was like, Tom, are you dating? And you're like, yeah, actually, you know, I, st- I just started, I just started this like uh, dating this woman. And I'm like, really? And you're like, yeah, she just happens to be my best friend's mom. I don't think. Yeah, I, but if the <laughs> best friend is dating Zach Wilson's former ex, I mean, that kind of goes against bro code right there. I mean, I don't. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, time out, gentlemen. Time wait, wait, out, time wait, wait, wait. out, time. Woo! Let's rewind here, people. I'm sorry. Uh, people date ex, ex, ex friends, 
boyfriends, girlfriends all the time. Like that happens more frequently than you would think, right? Like uh, okay, it's but- your best friend and then and then like you start developing feelings or they start to feel and developing feelings for you. Sometimes you can't help it, whatever the case may be. Like that's 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 normal. Not that it should happen, right? But like that's a normal thing that happens frequently. It's it's very infrequent that an individual starts dating their best friend's mother or father, Tom. That doesn't happen frequently, okay? Now, I'm sure it happens, but it doesn't happen frequently, Tom. Well, to your previous point, um, it's only embarrassing to the person's mom who's being dated, not the person who's dating the mom. I mean, if, listen, if I'm dating... I guess my friend's mom. I mean, I wouldn't do it. Let's just let's just be clear. But if I was, I feel pretty good about myself. I mean, there's not much you could tell me. I mean, you're gonna tell me I probably feel like crap, but that's about it. I am like shocked right now that you guys, both of you, feel that dating your friend's mom is 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 okay. More acceptable than dating your best friend's girlfriend. Well, I'm I'm saying this could be some sort of like revenge plot almost. Like yes. If, if that's the thing, like I wouldn't do that like to my best friend. But like, well, we're saying- assuming a lot here. Wait, wait, time out, time out. How do we know? How do we know that that Zach Wilson didn't start dating the mom before his best friend started dating his girl? Maybe he was cheating on his girlfriend with the mom. And then the and then the best friend found out and came to console the girlfriend and then they ended up hooking up. I, I mean, we could sit here. We, there's so much we can assume here, and we shouldn't be doing this in the first place. I mean, it's a he said, she said. Right now, we don't know like who like dated who first. So again, if this turns out to be like an actual story, then it, it is what it is. I mean, you could look at it from whichever side you really want to. I understand that's not my point. My point here is that we are acting as if, like you guys are acting as if it's more acceptable that 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 Zach Wilson allegedly is hooking up with his best friend's mother as opposed to allegedly his best friend hooking up with his ex-girlfriend. It's like you got both of you are like, well, you know, that's more acceptable. That's insane to me. Listen, it's still messed up. I'm just saying, okay, I'm I'm not even I mean, it. No, I think you guys need to stop while you're ahead. I think you guys need to stop while you're ahead. I really do. (laughs) You are. You guys are going down a rabbit hole. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.